when I published Ulysses by James Joyce in my little bookshop called Shakespeare and Company in Paris. Look, look, the dust is growing. My branches laugh large in the Stately clump bug bargain. All perfume, yes, and his heart was going like mad. And yes, I said yes, I will, yes. Friends of Shakespeare and Company read Ulysses by James Joyce. Read today by Claire Louise Bennett. And it was the feast of the Passover. He stayed in his walk to watch a typesetter neatly distributing type. Reads it backwards first. Quickly he does it. Must require some practice, that. Manjid Kasertap. Poor Papa with his Haggadah book. Reading backwards with his finger to me. Pesach. Next year in Jerusalem. Dear, oh dear. All that long business about that brought us out of the land of Egypt and into the house of bondage, alleluia. Shemai Israel Adonai Eluechanu. No, that's the other. Then the twelve brothers, Jacob's sons, and then the lamb and the cat and the dog and the stick and the water and the butcher, and then the angel of death kills the butcher and he kills the ox and the dog kills the cat. Sounds a bit silly till you come to look into it well. Justice, it means, but it's everybody eating everyone else. That's what life is after all. How quickly he does that job. Practice makes perfect. Seems to see with his fingers. Mr Bloom passed on out of the clanking noises through the gallery on to the landing. Now am I going to tram it out all the way and then catch him up perhaps? Better phone him up first. Number? Same as Citron's house. 28. 28 double four. Only once more that soap. He went down the house staircase. Who the deuce scrawled all over these walls with matches? Looks as if they did it for a bet. Heavy, greasy smell there always is in those works. Lukewarm glue in Tom's next door when I was there. He took out his handkerchief to dab his nose. Citron lemon. Ah, the soap I put there. Lose it out of that pocket. Putting back his handkerchief, he took out the soap and stowed it away, buttoned into the hip pocket of his trousers. What perfume does your wife use? I could go home still. Tram. Something I forgot. Just to see before dressing. No, here. No. A sudden screech of laughter coming from the evening telegraph office. Know who that is. What's up? Hop in a minute to phone. Ned Lambert it is. He entered softly. Erin. Green gem of the silver sea. The ghost walk. Professor McHugh murmured softly, biscuitfully, to the dusty window pane. Mr Dedalus, staring from the empty fireplace at Ned Lambert's quizzing face, asked a bit sourly, Agonising Christ, wouldn't it give you a heartburn on your arse? Ned Lambert, seated on the table, read on, or again, note the meanderings of some purling rill as it babbles on its way, Fanned by gentlest zephyrs, though quarrelling with the stony obstacles to the tumbling waters of Neptune's blue domain, mid mossy banks, played on by the glorious sunlight underneath the shadows cast o'er its pensive bosom by the overarching leafage of the giants of the forest, 
What about that, Simon? He asked over the fringe of his newspaper. How's that for high? Changing his drink, Mr Dedalus said. Ned Lambert, laughing, struck the newspaper on his knees, repeating, The pensive bosom in the overarsing leafage. Oh, boys, oh, boys. And Xenophon looked upon Marathon, Mr Dedalus said, looking again on the fireplace into the window. And Marathon looked on the sea. That'll do, Professor McHugh cried from the window. I don't want to hear any more of the stuff. He ate off the crescent of water biscuit he had been nibbling and, hungered, made ready to nibble the biscuit in his other hand. Highfalutin stuff, bladderbags. Ned Lambert is taking a day off, I see. Rather upsets a man's day, a funeral does. He has influence, they say. Old Chatterton, the vice-chancellor, is his granduncle or his great-granduncle. Close on ninety, they say. Subleader for his death written this long time, perhaps. Living to spite them. Might go first himself. Johnny, make room for your uncle. The right honourable hedges heir Chatterton. Dare say he writes him an odd shaky chuckle to on the gale days. Windfall when he kicks out. Alleluia. Just another spasm, Ned Lambert said. What is it? Mr Bloom asked. A recently discovered fragment of Picaro's Professor McHugh answered with pomp of tone, Our lovely land. Short but to the point. Whose land? Mr Bloom said simply. Most pertinent question, the professor said between his chews, with an accent on the whose. Dan Dawson's land, Mr Dedalus said. Is it his speech last night? Mr Bloom asked. Ned Lambert nodded. But listen to this, he said. The doorknob hit Mr Bloom in the small of the back as the door was pushed in. Excuse me, J.J. O'Malloy said, entering. Mr. Bloom moved nimbly aside. I beg yours, he said. Good day, Jack. Come in, come in. Good day. How are you, Dedalus? Well, and yourself? J.J. O'Malloy shook his head. Sad. Cleverest fellow at the junior bar he used to be. Decline, poor chap. That hectic flush spells for need for a man. Touch and go with him. What's in the wind, I wonder? Money worry. Or again, if we but climb the serried mountain peaks. You're looking extra. Is the editor to be seen? J.J. O'Malloy asked, looking towards the inner door. Very much so, Professor McHugh said. To be seen and heard. He's in his sanctum with Lenehan. J.J. O'Malloy strolled to the sloping desk and began to turn back the pink pages of the file. Practice dwindling, and might have been. Losing heart. Gambling, debts of honour, reaping the whirlwind. Used to get good retainers from D and T Fitzgerald. Their wigs to show their grey matter. Brains on their sleeve like the statue in Glasnevin. Believe he does some literary work for the Express with Gabriel Conroy. Well read fellow. Miles Crawford began on the Independent. Funny the way those newspaper men veer about when they get wind of a new opening. Weatherpox, hot and cold in the same breath. Wouldn't know which to believe. One story good to you here the next. Go for one another, bald-headed in the papers, and then all blows over. Hail fellow well met the next moment. I'll listen to this for God's sake, Ned Lambert pleaded. Or again if we but climb the serried mountain peaks. Bombast, the professor broke in testily. Enough of the inflated windbag. Peaks, Ned Lambert went on, towering high on high to bathe our souls, as it were, bathe his lips, Mr Dedalus said. Blessed and eternal God, yes? Is he taking anything for it? 
as twere in the peerless panorama of Ireland's portfolio unmatched, despite their well-praised prototypes in other vaunted prize regions, for very beauty of bosky grove and undulating plain and luscious pasture land of vernal green, steeped in the transcendent, translucent glow of our mild, mysterious Irish twilight. His native Doric, the moon, Professor McHugh said, he forgot Hamlet, that mantles the vista far and wide and wake till the glowing orb of the moon shines forth to irradiate her silver effulgence. Oh, Mr. Dedalus cried, giving vent to a hopeless groan, shite and onions, that'll do, Ned. Life is too short. He took off his silk hat and, blowing out impatiently his bushy moustache, Welsh-combed his hair with raking fingers. Ned Lambert tossed the newspaper aside, chuckling with delight. An instant after, a hoarse bark of laughter burst over Professor McHugh's unshaven, black-speckled face. Doey door, he cried. What Weatherup said. All very fine to jeer at it now in cold print, but it goes down like hotcake, that stuff. He was in the bakery line too, wasn't he? Why they call him Doey Dor? Feathered his nest well, anyhow. Daughter engaged to that chap in the Inland Revenue Office with the motor. Cooked that nicely. Entertainment's open house, big blowout. Weatherup always said that. He had a grip of them by the stomach. The inner door was opened violently, and a scarlet-beaked face, crested by a comb of feathery hair, thrust itself in. The bold blue eyes stared about them, and the harsh-voiced asked, What is it? And here comes the sham squire himself, Professor McHugh said grandly. Get out, that, you bloody old pedagogue, the editor said in recognition. Come, Ned, Mr. Dedalus said, putting on his hat. I must get a drink after that. Drink, the editor cried. Don't drink, sir, before mass. Right, right, too, Mr. Dedalus said, going out. Come on, Ned. Ned Lambert sidled down from the table. The editor's blue eyes rode towards Mr. Bloom's face, shadowed by a smile. Will you join us, Miles? Ned Lambert asked. Memorable battles recalled. North Cork militia, the editor cried, striding to the mantelpiece. We won every time, North Cork and Spanish officers. Where was that, Miles? Ned Lambert asked with a reflective glance at his toe caps. In Ohio, the editor shouted. So it was, Begard. Ned Lambert agreed, passing out and whispered to J.J. Romanoy, incipient jigs, sad case. Ohio, the editor crowed in high treble from his uplifted scarlet face. My Ohio. A perfect critic, the professor said, long, short and long. Oh, hard, Aeolian. He took a reel of dental floss from his waistcoat pocket and, breaking off a piece, twanged it smartly between two and two of his resonant, unwashed teeth. Bing, bang, bang, bang. Mr. Bloom, seeing the coast clear, made for the inner door. Just a moment, Mr. Crawford, he said. I just want to phone about an ad. He went in. What about that leader this evening? Professor McHugh asked, coming to the editor and laying a firm hand on his shoulder. That'll be all right, Miles Crawford said more calmly. Never you fret. Hello, Jack. That's all right. Good day, Miles, J.J. O'Malloy said, letting the pages he held slip limply back on the file. Is that Canada swindle case on today? The telephone whirred inside. Twenty-eight, no, twenty, double four. Yes. Spot the winner. Lenehan came out of the inner office with sports tissues. Who wants a dead cert for the gold cup, he asked. Sceptre with O'Madden up. He tossed the tissues onto the table. Screams of newsboys barefoot in the hall rushed near and the door was flung open. Hush, Lenehan said. I hear feet stoops. 
Professor McHugh strode across the room and seized the cringing urchin by the collar as the others scampered out of the hall and down the steps. The tissues rustled up in the draft, floated softly in the air from the scrolls, and under the table came to earth. It wasn't me, sir. It was the big fellow who shot me, sir. Throw him out and shut the door, the editor said. There's a hurricane blowing. Lenehan began to pull the tissues up from the floor, grunting as he stooped twice. Waiting for the racing special, sir, the newsboy said. It was Pat Farrell shoved me, sir. He pointed to two faces peering in round the doorframe. Him, sir. Out of this with you, Professor McHugh said roughly. He hustled the boy out and banged the door too. J.J. O'Malloy turned the files crackingly over, murmuring, seeking. Continued on page six, column four. Yes. Evening telegraph here. Mr. Bloom phoned from the inner office. Is the boss? Yes. Telegraph. To where? Uh-huh. Which auction rooms? Ah, uh-huh. I see. Right. I'll catch him. A collision ensues. The bell whirred again as he rang off. He came in quickly and bumped against Lenehan, who was struggling up with his second tissue. Pardon, monsieur, Lenehan said, clutching him for an instant and making a grimace. My fault, Mr. Bloom said, suffering from his grip. Are you hurt? I'm in a hurry. Nee, Lenehan said. He made a comic face and whined, rubbing his knee. The accumulation of the Anno Domini. Sorry, Mr. Bloom said. 